If you would, please open your Bibles to John 3.16. John 3.16. I don't hear so good either. Brian Sattler. I'm so glad you're in town. (laughs) So... For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, and I like the old English, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Some of you may feel like There's no way that the love of God could include me. You may have grown up without God, as I did. You may have hated your brother, as I did. You may have rebelled against your parents, as I did. You may have been a scoffer, as I was, a troublemaker, as I was. You may have been thrown in jail, as I was. You may have been given to addictions, as I have been. You may have committed fornication and adultery, as I have. You may have been mean-spirited to your spouse, as I have. You may have been impatient with your children, as I have. You may have been cruel toward other people, as I have. You may wonder, can the love of God reach me? God so loved the world. I've never preached on this passage. I've referred to it many times in counseling. Um, I estimate that I've preached nearly 1,500 times over my 35 years pastoral ministry. I've taught through the Gospel of John I've never singled out this verse to preach on it in all my years. But I'm not alone. One of my favorite preachers of all time, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, didn't preach on it 
early either. In fact, Spurgeon was 51 years old and he had been preaching for over 30 years and when he first preached on this it was his 1850 50th sermon he would preach morning and evening metropolitan tabernacle london and sometimes as many as 10,000 people would come to hear him and here's what he said I was very greatly surprised the other day in looking over the list of texts from which I had preached to find that I have no record of ever having spoken from John 3.16. This is all the more singular because it has been my one and only business to set forth the love of God to men in Christ Jesus. So now, am I likening myself to Spurgeon? Yes, I am. We're both remiss for all these years. Never to have preached. John 3.16. So... Here's what it is. The nature of the sinned, sin-hardened heart finds so little time for gratitude. There, uh, in God's design of this verse, and he designed every word of Scripture in God's design of this verse. He broke it down into five parts. For God so loved the world. First part. That he gave his only begotten Son. That's the second part. That whoever believes in him That's the third part. Should not perish. That's the fourth part. But have eternal life or everlasting life. That's the fifth part. Five simple parts talk about the love of God, the ever-abounding, eternal love of God for me. There are people far, far away that seem like nothing to us that are in the mountains of nowhere on the backside of deserts in the steaming jungles in the high rises of metropolis that the love of God 
reaches to. There are people who are atheists that cannot find it in their heart to believe. There are agnostics that cannot fathom the love of God. There are those of different beliefs. that mistake who God is. There are those entrapped with sins that cannot escape. And yet, the love of God reaches to them, whether Muslim whether Hindu, whether Confucian, Taoists, Zoroastrians, Animus, the love of God reaches them. For God so loved the world. There is no place that the love of God does not reach in Christ. This is the extent of God's exemplary love to the world. It doesn't matter whether you live down under. It doesn't matter whether you live in the North Pole. It doesn't matter whether you live in outer Slavovia. It doesn't matter what your religious orientation, it does not matter what your sinful condition, the extent of your guilt, the duration of your sin, the love of God reaches to sinners. The love of God is all about loving the unlovely. And you say, well, I don't see that here. All I see is the love of God. <clears throat> There's the word, should not perish. We watch every day as people perish. We see their lives crumble. We see them destroy themselves and others with them. And some of them we love and we cry out for them. It is not God's intention for people to perish. The scriptures say that God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to everlasting life. For God so loved the world, he gave. Jesus speaking these words <clears throat> nearly 2,000 years ago, 
spoke in past tense. God so loved the world that he gave. When God determined to put the human race on this planet, that's when he decided to give. And he knew what it would take to deal with his anger over sin. So that he could put his wrath far away and receive to himself tormented, troubled, terrible, sinful creatures. The scripture says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He is the lamb. In the words of Revelation 13.8, that is slain from the foundation of the world. That's how far back the love of God towards human being goes. That's the extent that it should reach into all the world. No exclusions. <clears throat> Revelation 5.9 says, You are worthy, speaking of Jesus Christ, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. In Christ, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. The love of God reaches you. But there's a limit to the love of God. But the limit is not with God. The limit is with human beings. Notice the next part of the verse. Whoever believes, this is the way God wants the gospel presented, whoever believes may come and drink of the water of life freely. Whoever desires may come. The Spirit of God says come. The Bride of Christ says come. Those who hear say come. Yet some refuse. You know them as well as I. But you have the opportunity so long as you have breath to receive the love of God. John 6.37 says, The one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. He says, 
I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. There is an extent to God's love embraces the whole world. There is a loving plan laid down from the foundation of the world. There is a limit to God's love, but he does not hold it in his hand. You hold it in yours. And then there is this rescue, this loving rescue from perishing. Were it not for the love of God, I perish. How many of you in your heart embraced this teaching? If it were not for the love of God, I perish. And so God rescues the perishing. He rescued me. And he invites you today to be rescued. There's one other group I didn't mention. And that is people who are self-righteous, who measure what is right by what they think or say or do. The love of God reaches to you, but it's so hard for you to see it. Because you think that by doing good, you're going to gain God's acceptance, His approval, and all you have to do to escape perishing is to try hardest to do your best. And so you delude yourselves. It is the self-righteous that put Jesus to death. He related to the self-indulgent sinner. The self-righteous sinners would not receive him. But the love of God extends to self-righteous sinners. So after I played out my early life in self-indulgent sin, I played out the next six, eight years in self-righteous sin. Trying hard to do good. The Apostle Paul is the classic example of the self-righteous sinner that God reached and he said of himself, I'm the chief of sinners. God can reach 
the self-righteous sinner. God reaches the pious Muslims, the holy Hindus. The love of God reaches the most zealous person trying ever so hard to be great for God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When does that happen? When you believe. That's his promise. You may think in your heart, how can I believe when I'm hard in my heart? I've done so many things. I'm mad about life. I'm mad about God. I'm mad when somebody comes to tell me about the gospel. I'm mad to be sitting here. I don't like it. How can I desire, how can I believe when sin has so captivated my soul that I would turn away forever? And I would say in your desperate condition, you can cry out. You can say, I am so filled with myself and my foolishness that I don't even desire right now. But I want to desire the love of God reaches to you. And he says, whosoever will may come drink of the water of life and in so then believing not based on who you are but believing based on who he is what he performs what he has promised he will do beyond your wildest imagination and you will be saved you will not perish. You will have everlasting life. You, of all people. There is no one the love of God cannot reach. And when you believe and receive this free gift that God extends by promise to you. The love of God enters your soul, transforms your life so that you can, for the first time, Love other people 
rather than pre be preoccupied with yourself. And so this loving life of God comes into this dead soul, enlivens the spirit, enlightens the mind to receive the love of God and then flows out of you being filled up with his love. The river of life and love flows out of your heart to other people so that you tire of the fakery of trying harder so that you tire of pursuing passing pleasures. You long for the spirit of purity that God puts in you. And you become consumed with those who have never heard And from the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, from the day that the Spirit of God came on Pentecost, from the day that the apostles went out preaching throughout all the world, from that day to this, there have been those that God has stirred to take this simple five-part message around the world. And so here we are. So many years later, so so many miles away. And yet the word is true as it was then. And the love of God has gone through from the heart of God, through the hearts of people, outward to reach whoever desires. And so we carry this message and we talk to people. We urge them to believe We persuade from the scripture the power of God at work in our lives. And we appeal to them according to who they are, where they are, without exception, that God so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And there are those who scoff and then regret scoffing and come and believe. There are those who are so disappointed in themselves who hear the word of God and believe. Christian Smith and his colleagues at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, decided to do a study and wrote this book 
The Religious and Spiritual Lives of American Teenagers, written in 2005, based on interviewing 3,000 teenagers to determine their common religious beliefs. And this book is the result of a research project for the National Study of Youth and Religion, and it was funded by the Lilly Endowment, you know, the pharmaceutical peoples. And here's what they found out. Young people today, these are the things that they believe and hold in common, kept reoccurring. A God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other. The goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about yourself. God does not need to be involved in your life except to resolve a problem. Good people go to heaven when they die. I have a five-point message for them. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is a message that you can take anytime, anywhere, to anyone and simply explain these simple words and appeal to people lost in themselves. From this study, I don't think most of these people have heard this message. Thirty-five years for me. This is the first time I preached it. Over 30 for Spurgeon. How about you? How many times have you publicly, to people who do not believe, given this verse? And it's because the old-fashioned gospel preaching is lost to today's youth. But all it takes is the love of God shed abroad in our hearts, first believed and received from him, then passed along to others. And every believer has this obligation out of gratitude to God 
to pass along the good news. Whoever you are, wherever you are, wherever you're going, people are being prepared by the Spirit of Grace to receive this message. It doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter to whom. This message is timeless. And it's for you to give forth boldly. There are many things that you can do in life. That's okay. There are many places you can go in life. There are many things that are captivating that will take your time. There are many things that you'll consider more important than preaching John 3.16. I know. It's just one of my many shortcomings. Before you marvel over a preacher who has not preached John 3.16 in 35 years, marvel over how many years in your life you've failed to do the same thing. And it's no more um, difficult for you than for me. Right? And we're talking about this incredible, ever-abounding, eternal love of God. And he says, there needs to be a priest between God and men who, will go, who delivers this message. So our great high priest, Jesus Christ, took his blood, offered it before eternal God, was received by him so he could dismiss his wrath and welcome sinners to his presence. And he says, believers are assistant priests. One of the capstones of the Reformation is the priesthood of all believers so that someone would go and touch people when they're lost in sin and approach the throne of grace and say, you can receive the good news of Jesus Christ and put them together so that this whole thing continues. Now, final word. There's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. All the sins that you have carried are committing or will ever commit have been forgiven because of the shed blood of the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world.
And for that reason, you're not perishing. And so as the love of God comes from his heart to ours, it must go forth from there to others. And so now, after 35 years, I've preached John 3.16. And you've had the privilege to hear it. Such as it is. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Father, for the ever-abounding eternal love that you have for sinners. Thank you for saving us. And for those today who struggle with believing, overwhelm them with this notion of your love. In Jesus' name, amen.